Welcome to the Voice for Victims podcast. Stand up and speak up. Welcome, everyone, to Voice for Victims podcast with your host, Crystal Starn. This show is brought to you by Balance 7. Balance 7 is a nutritional supplement that improves optimal health. To find this supplement, go to www.balance7.com and type in the code CRYSTAL10 to get a discount. Well, I hope everyone is having a fabulous night tonight. We have a special guest that's going to be coming on the show tonight. Her name is Ms. Stubby, and Ms. Stubby is a Kung Fu instructor, multi-award winning illustrator and author, international artist and inspiring YouTuber who has survived a lot of abuse from a young age into her adulthood. She has goals in life to create good art and write loved novels. She wants to create good art and teach about good martial artists who can defend themselves against a growing uncertain world. Let's welcome Ms. Stubby to the show. Hi, Ms. Stubby. How are you tonight? Doing really good. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. I just wanted to make sure. That's awesome. Well, I am so happy that you decided to come on the show. I love hearing stories, especially from um, survivors, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that suffer in silence out there, and and I think spreading awareness um, is the key to helping people in the community, because every time somebody listens, you know, you may be saving a life, and I'm just excited to hear about your journey that you've went through all these years, and, um, you know, so I guess we could start off by... Um, Maybe just telling the audience a little bit about who you are and your background. Okay. Um, well, I'm a Sifu, which means that I am a teacher of Kung Fu. Um, I'm in, I have illustrated uh, four books in total. One of those books I wrote, which is called Lucas. Um, Lucas just turned three not too long ago. He's pretty, he's pretty awesome. I got him for my PBSB and for Fibro. Um, I have been doing art since I was three years old. I'm a Bob Ross child. We are very fond of our Bob Ross. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. And I've had art in Canada, Australia, um, the U.S. and the U.K. And uh, the Lucas book won the Children's Monsters Award, Choice Award. And then the, my very first illustration I ever did also won that same award. So that is that was pretty cool. And that same book, um, oh, goodness, I forget the name of it. It is, uh, I forget, to be honest. I'm nervous, so my brain is scattering. I apologize. apologize. But, um, it's okay. <laughs> Um, I've been learning Kung Fu for the last almost eight years. I've been teaching for the last three. Um, I really love it. I'm trying to get that going. I got a YouTube channel, um, Genre of Stubby. You can also um, find my book, the Lucas book, on the website, which is www.genreofstubby.com forward slash shop. Um, You can find all that stuff there. I'm working on a novel about what has happened to me. Um, it's called Carmen Cox, and it's I put it into a fiction way because when I try to talk about my past, I dissociate a lot. So uh, this was a really easier way to do it, and I got the first draft done. I'm so excited. So you can catch up with all of that information on YouTube, um, John S. W. And then, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nurse, and <laughs> I'm okay. Any questions so far? Um, no, I, I think it's wonderful what you have been doing. Um, you know, the fact that you wrote a book and you're getting ready to publish it and everything, that's just amazing. Um, I know, you know, it's very difficult to sit down and write your story, you know, because it's like so much has happened and, you know, I'm sure you've went through a lot of things and a lot of experiences, so it's hard to put all that in words. And the fact that you already got your draft done, that that's just amazing. I mean, you're you're almost there, and I think you should be proud of yourself for doing that. Thank you. I'm, proud, I'm proud of you, too. I, before, you know, 
know, I hopped on the show. I looked up your story, and I'm impressed. Like, that's inspiring. You you beat a judge. That's, that's really cool because when um, the day before my 25th birthday, I was drugged and raped in my home. And three days after I got out of the hospital, I went directly to the cops. And the DA told me I waited three days too long. I after the day of, and that was just like heartbreaking. So to know that one of us has gotten a win, oh, that's fuel for the machine. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so impressed. I am so proud of you. It's just, that's inspiring. If I can give that inspiration out to other people, I'm doing good. So yeah, right. that's what I'm hoping I'll be I able to do. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You know, that's what the Kung Fu is for. I started um, because I didn't want to be a doormat anymore. I didn't want to be pushed. I have a heck of a good Kung Fu voice where my bark is definitely sharp, but my bite wasn't. And so I went to Kung Fu and learned self-defense. And now my bite is just as sharp as my bark. And it is. And it's super, you know, when you, I've been in therapy since I was 20. And over the 20-some years, it was up to, like, it would help the mental state. It would help you learn the tools that you need. But the Kung Fu is what helps make you be able to back up that now, you know? You get to practice no in, in therapy, and so you can try to practice that out in the environment. But the Kung Fu is just, when you can back up that no, oh, that is freeing. So freeing. So, so I highly so how, recommend um, Okay, sorry. Um, I no, I was just going to ask you to expand on that kung fu. I was just going to have you expand, like, on give some examples of the kung fu, like how it can help. I love this question. I get this asked a lot. Um, so for me, when I first started kung fu, I, people would just walk into me like I wasn't even there. They didn't care. They would just run me over. And then after about um, about eight months of studying it, all of a sudden people parted the ways. And I'm like, I'm starting to wonder if maybe, like, did I smell bad? Like, I'm starting to panic because I'm not used to it. And then all of a sudden, and they, like, would apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean to get in your way. And I'm like, like, I was like, I didn't know how to handle it at first. And then I realized the Kung Fu gave me that aura of confidence. And it's like, just keep your distance. We be good. You know, and it worked. <laughs> I was so blown away because it will. I've seen, I did a program called um, the White Crane Project. And what this project was for, in order for me to come to Sifu, I had to prove I can do this. And so I created a project where women who had been abused, they would come together, they would get an hour of Kung Fu, and then afterwards it was peer support. And we would do an activity to get the conversation going. We had a license therapist there to make sure that if anybody got triggered and it was really too much that we had someone who was trained to help them and we had one girl in there and it was so cute she was so scared to like punch at somebody because she was so sweet and gentle and at the end about the second month she was wailing on the practice path the difference of just two months made in her life where she was no longer scared to throw that punch, you could feel it when you walk near her, the freedom that she felt. It's just, Kung Fu is such a beautiful gift to give, and then I get to teach it, so I get to show, give that gift to somebody else. It's just, it makes you feel beautiful, you know, like an eagle soaring in the sky, kind of beautiful. It's just freeing. I think that's amazing. Um, I it, like just listening to you talk about it. Like it, you can like hear it, like the relief in your voice, and you know that it, it does help. You know, with healing and everything, because you do gain confidence when um, you're able to to do that. And um, I I think it would be lovely to try. I mean, I I took Taekwondo for years, but I never tried Kung Fu. I don't know if it's similar. For that. Well, for what, um, so this this could cause some controversy, but fundamentally, <laughs> for the most part, everybody 
90% of the population can walk, they can move their arms and move their legs. So we're all using the basic common physics of the body. If you pay attention enough to a lot of different styles of martial arts, you're going to see a lot of similarities. Some focus on kicking, which would be your taekwondo, a very hard type of martial art, and a lot of emphasis on the legs, which is great for women because our strongest part of our body is our legs. I really do recommend some basic taekwondo for women. Now, you have – there's – just as many way people as there are sifus and students, there's different types of kung fu. But for me, I study what's called Wing Chun. Wing Chun is designed, was according to legend, Nigmoy, I know I probably pronounced that right. I, those who are kung fuers, forgive me. Uh, she taught a woman by the name of Wing Chun, um, this system that she had created. And Wing Chun was being bullied into marriage. And so he accepted that if she could kick his butt, she can marry whoever she wanted. Well, this Shaolin nun comes along and hears about it and goes, I will teach you this new martial art that I come up with. You will be able to win this. Don't worry. So she learns it. She wins the fight. She gets to marry the man of her dreams. And then the system was named after this young girl and the rest is history. And 12, 15 generations later, here I am passing on that tradition. And I just wish, oh, my goodness, it's just, it's for, Wing Chun is used in the military in China. It's also used by flight attendants because when you think about when you ride on a plane, there's not a lot of room. And when you get very disruptive, very spicingers, um you've got to be able to defend yourself because some of these people get attacked. And so one of the requirements for a lot of these flight attendants is that they learn Wing Chun because it's designed to be done in close quarters. And, you know, you can't swing your leg in a passenger seat of a plane. It's just you can't do that. But with Wing Chun, you can kick them. Um, if you watch mixed martial arts, the Wing Chun front kick is actually banned by them because there was a guy going around and smashing people's knees and I don't have a lot of respect for that guy. He's abusing the privilege of that knowledge in my opinion, but that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother um, podcast. But that's just how powerful a simple front kick is. And that's first day entry level. That's what you're going to learn on your first day is how to do that front kick. And they banned it. That states a lot about how powerful Wing Chun is. Um, A lot of um, famous artists would be like Bruce Lee. He's a very well-known. He took his Wing Chun, turned it into Teacut, to his type of style. Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so I'm just not going to say it. Um, Robert Downey Jr., he knows Wing Chun. He's one of the most uh, famous, I think, right now that's very well-loved. yeah, there's a lot of people. Jackie Chan knows it. Um, a lot of those crew from that day, they knew Wing Chun and a bunch of other types of styles. I wow, talk about I didn't know any of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're very you knowledgeable, I can tell. <laughs> but, yeah, so, it was a lot easier to talk in the bad stuff. So, I mean, some of the bad stuff I... So I was in the foster care system. So Okay, here's some backstory from what I've gathered. Because I was adopted, and like any adoptee, you're, you're going to get curious sooner or later about who and what you are because you're going to need it for your medical knowledge, et cetera. And um, so I started doing my homework, and I found out I was conceived by rape. My biological father raped my mom. She's schizophrenic. She's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not putting her down, but she's just, just medical fact, she thought she was Jesus five times, you know, so the state literally had a good reason to take me away at a month old. I do not blame the state. What I blame the state for is the situations where they put me into where a lot of some of the most horrific crap ever happened between me and my foster brothers and sisters. And that's where that novel, Carmen Cox, really comes in and the events that happened in the foster home um, a lot of the bad guys, there's a lot of people that had done the harm get put into those characters. 
Um, so yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of scenes in the book that actually did happen um, to me, and that was an easier way to put it, put into a fictional sense. Otherwise, I just I've lost files, or I'll get scatterbrained, or my computer crashed. So this is the first time I've actually been able to write this out. Um, I was adopted around, I got into the new adoption home when I was seven. And uh, first day, because when, when you're in foster care, you're back in the 80s, you, you weren't treated very nicely. They didn't care. Even if there was nothing wrong with you, if you managed to get into the foster care system, you already considered something wrong. And they just treated you horribly. Um, and when I went to, and when I thought it was supposed to be my adoption home, the very first day, the the mother slapped me across the face because I became full. I asked for a second piece of slice of pizza, and she took a while. And if you know medical, after a while, your brain then registers, hey, you've ate, you're full. Well, that happened. And I apologized. I was like, I'm really sorry I'm full now. You know, I, I can't eat this and just right across my face and the only thing I could think was I'm just in another foster home and I can't escape it you know and this same woman oh my goodness she was a nightmare she was just a horrible person oh lordy um yeah it's just she's she's left a lot of deep scars in within me you know she's actually taught me how to hate and I have a really high hard time forgetting her for that you know with all the rape and and the torture and all the ugliness that happened to me in the foster care system that was probably not my favorite part of my life I she was miserable she just did not care I was her uh I was her beating post she took a lot of her frustrations out on me and the town knew I had one of my friend's mother actually confront her, and she lied, and I almost lost my friendship. Almost. Almost. We're still friends. But uh, it meant a lot to me. You know, when people, when you are in foster care, there's very, very few people who actually care, and they do the right thing because they believe in the right thing. A lot of them, you'll find out they're using the kids for their money, they just ignore the kids or they abuse them in really horrific ways. I mean, my body still bears scars, literal scars from these people, you know, and I still get nightmares. I still get all of these. The PTSD is strong in this one. <laughs> um, so I'm still in therapy for that. A lot of EMDR, a lot of cognitive therapy. But, yeah, I do trying not to say her name, but her, she, she left some really nasty scars within me and I'm taking a lot of therapy to get over the reels. Like one day, um, we were in the, in the grocery store and this lady paid for food stamps or she paid her with WIC and I didn't know what WIC was. And I was like, what's that? Because I've never seen it before. I've seen food stamps. I've seen people pay with cash and check and very rarely a credit card at that time. But I never saw a WIC check. And I'm like, what's that? And she, this is exactly what she told me when we got back to the car. People who do who do those WIC checks deserve to die because they're just welfare trash. And she went on like an hour rant about people who were – you know, if you're black, if you were poor, if you were just, and you, I mean, she's, this woman is just mentally screwed up. And I was just stunned. So I'm disabled um, because of the, the abuse and PTSD. My body just can't handle stress. And I still hear the reels of her singing these things because technically by her standards, I deserve to die. Because I went on welfare to help take care of my children, I deserve to die. I'm poor. I deserve to die. And no matter how hard I try, I can't get those reels out. And I'm still working on it. And it is hard. And it's not easy to overcome. And it just, there's just 
certain things about my past that I still get nightmares. Like yesterday, I woke up to a horrific nightmare of, you know, like my pets getting, you know, neglected or stolen or killed and, like, had a guy, like, just horrifically very vivid dreams. And when you get sometimes those are just, it's not because you fear those. It's about the fear you felt from when you were a kid. So night terrors and nightmares are very common and very horrific. To It's just like you never get to escape, even in sleep, you know. And it's, it's, exhaust, it's exhausting. It's so very exhausting. I need a minute to take a drink because I've been yakking <laughs> It's okay. Now I'm listening to you, and I and I hear hear you, and and I feel for you. I, it's heartbreaking to hear about the foster system because the foster system is supposed to be there to help the, the children when they're at their worst um, time in their life, being taken from their yeah. their home for whatever reason, and then they're you know the system you know supposed to trust these people to do their job and, you know, try to be caring towards the kids and to hear, hear what you're saying that happened to you. It's just upsetting to me. You know, it, it's, it's sad because like, I, I know that like I used to be a probation officer. I'm retired from that. And, um, you know, I had to put kids in, you know, foster situations at times, you know, just depending on what had happened and everything. And, and, you know, I just remember, you know, with the system, you know, we trusted these people, like they have to go through background checks and everything. You know, so it's it's just upsetting to hear and that's this. That's the thing that you know, people don't think about is there's people who are don't have records. They're squeaky clean. You know, mm-hmm. you probably if you if somebody got into a room with twenty people, out of out of every third woman and out of every fifth man, those two people, those people are going to have some form of abuse or issues that deal with abuse in their life. It could be domestic abuse, it could be childhood abuse, rape, whatever. You know, they, they're suffering from that. And some of these people don't even know they're being abused because there's, like, the, the, the Republican upbringing I got, because that's what I got from the, the adoption home. The, you know, I heard racist stuff. I heard sexist stuff. Like, when Trump had been, um, his second wife had come out about him raping her, in third to fourth grade, I was listening to my peers, my own classmates, argue that it's okay to rape your wife because you're married. It's religious law. That's just how it goes. And I'm like, no, that's not how it goes, and that's not okay. You guys even know what that means? You don't get a choice. You don't get to do anything. You just got to take it. That's abuse. That's not That's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. And I listen to the adults, and then I listen to crazy. And after a while, you start wondering, is this just what life is like? Is this the normal thing that humans do? You know, like, you see bucks fighting in the field for a mate. Is that just what humans do? And I promise you, if you're listening, that is not what humans do. Humans don't, good humans do not go around and make you feel like crap. Good humans don't abuse your trust. Good humans, when you say no, respect the no. Good humans support you in your dreams and not sit there and crush them. Like the stepmother telling me that one day I will never be, I'll just be a starving artist and I'll never make it. Well, guess what, woman? I got four illustrations to prove you wrong and I got artwork in three other countries to prove you wrong. So you can go kiss my lily white booty. You know? You got to keep hanging on. You can, even though you'll hear, the, you'll hear those reels over and over and over in your head, but you got to keep proving them wrong and keep pushing forward. And one of the things I tell my students is, even if all you do is move one inch, and that's as far as you can go, that's still forward. Forward is always forward. And pretty soon, if you like, all you do is you take inches. After a while, you're going to hit a mile. And by then, you're going to have skill sets that you need. Instead of taking that mile, you're going to just take off. And it's just hang in there. You know, it's worth doing the therapy. It's worth doing the work. It's worth it. I've never thought. If you would have, if you would have told me when I was 17 that I'd be talking to you, I would have told you that you were smoking something and you need to leave me alone. <laughs> 
but here I am, and I'm talking about it, you know? It's, it's absolutely happening, and it's, that in itself is powerful, that I, I survived people, and, so, you know, in, like, my, I was telling um, my friend tonight, is, like, I was dating this one guy, and one of my best friends happens to be paralyzed from the chest now, and the guy I did, he literally got up into my face and sized me. He didn't care that my best buddy was in the wheelchair watching it. These people don't care. You, you gotta be, as soon as you see the very first red flag, run. Figure out an escape way. If you have to, just get out of there. Trust those instincts that is so valuable. You know, cause when you're young and all, all you know is abuse and scariness, you'll never know and you never be around like positive, healthy people. You don't, you, everyone at first seems happy and lovable and kind. This, after a while, a lot of them change. It just it slowly happens. Maybe you have a bad day. And then after a while, those bad days happen a lot, and they're still taking it out on you. That's abuse, you know? You find those people that are hidden gems. Um, like this woman who I called Miami, um, Alma Drake, beautiful singer, amazing songwriter. She, uh, I call her Miami, which means beautiful wisdom. And she's one of those women that, who is very Buddhist, very loving, very calming, but still sassy and just tells it like it is. And just like, I'd love to be like you because that's exactly how we like to be. Living light and still have a little bit of sass. You know, you got to find those gems and you got to hold out onto it. You know, like my friend Jessica Epley, she's the one who's helping me um, write uh, the bad guys in this book because I can't do it. Uh, I just I can't write the bad guys. I can't put myself in their shoes. It just feels so wrong. So she's really good at it, you know. And she's a she's a hidden gem. She's a terrific author. She's the one who helps me get started on Con and Cop. Um, in fact, we're sharing some characters from this. Highly recommend finding her and reading her. She's terrific, but she's a hidden gem. I mean, how many how many how often do you get to like? be best friends with your favorite author and then like actually share stories together because she believes that your writing is that good. Like that doesn't happen very often. That's like you saying you're a writer and you hang out with Stephen King and you're like, come best bud. He's like, Hey, you want some sneak previews? And you're like, Oh yeah. And then you get the sneak previews and then you get back. Like that's what's happening. And it's, you hold on to like these really cool moments because that's, that's what keeps you going. <laughs> that's what keeps you going. And, Hold on to the gems. Hold on to them because, you know, it, it will happen in cycles, especially when you're trying to learn how to be social again, when you're trying to learn how to be setting your boundaries. You need those people. It's like, is this a good boundary? Am I being bitchy am, or am I setting a good boundary? You need that feedback, and you need to make sure that the feedback you're coming from is from people who actually care about you and not using you for entertainment. So it's very, very important to really be careful about that. And if you get those red flags for the entertainment, go to the person who does not make you feel like entertainment. Really, truly talk to them because they're the ones that are going to help you grow as a person. And then all those night terrors and flashbacks and body sensations that you can still possibly feel, you start to float away when you're around them. It relaxes the nerves and then you're training your body how to be relaxed again. But if you're going to be around people, which is not uncommon, and it's not your fault, but because you haven't quite learned to set those boundaries yet, which pushes those negative people away. But if you start feeling those negative people and you feel those red flags, man, it's okay to leave the room. It's okay to leave the room and just let them enjoy it, you know? That's on them. That's, that's, some, right. that's some hearty advice I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> You're you're sending such a good message. Um, you're such a great speaker. Um, you underestimated Thank yourself. You. You're doing a gr- fabulous job on this show, and you speak very well. And 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 you're sending a message to so many people out there. I know that you're probably helping somebody tonight just listening to you. Um, I can I can feel it. And even though you're far away from me, I I can feel it inside my heart that you this is your calling, and you are 
an amazing lady and you're going to make such a difference, a huge difference. Like I have no doubt, like you just need to keep going and going and going. Like you, you're going to be a great success. I, I have no doubt in my mind. I think you're amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. I really I like, you know, I like the YouTube channel. You know, I like putting my art out there. I put a little bit of music out there. Um, you know, the writing and illustrating, that's a lot of fun. Um, I do a little bit of dog training videos to help people. Um, I self-trained my, I, when I was in high school, I was in what's called 4-H. And um, one of my projects was to learn how to be a dog trainer. And... Um, so I got to teach, I got to train my own dog, which makes the bond even special. And the lady who was overlooking me to make sure that I wouldn't screw up because being disabled, you don't live, you don't make enough to live off of. And so this was a huge investment in myself. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to screw it up. So there's a lady, um, Jackie Galvin, who trains service dogs in Mount Vernon, Iowa. Uh, she oversaw me. She even liked what I did. I did that for a little while under her and helped her train um, puppies. Oh, my God. Best job ever is training puppies. <laughs> oh, my God. You <laughs> oh, my God. Go train some service dogs. Volunteer to help train the service dogs. Oh, God. I loved it. But my body, because of the fibro, couldn't keep up. And I, I just, in winter hit, and I was like, I can't do this. I can barely move. I'm in so much pain. So I had to stop. But that was like the best. That was the best time ever. I loved it. I got to train dogs. I got to like figure out ways to help people. Like we had one guy, he was starting to slowly, um, I don't remember if he was losing his sight or his hearing. So I started teaching um, his dog basic sign language and she was getting it. Like, she was maybe two or three months old, and she was getting it. It was just so simple and so much fun. Highly recommend for good therapy. Just go hang out with puppies and kittens and just have yourself a fur day. Oh, my God, it's awesome. But, yeah, Lou is really I, I do believe that. Yeah, I believe that animals um, help with healing. Um, you know, I know with horses and even dogs, um, they help me. <laughs> So, you know, it, oh. it's so comforting to be around them. They do. They have such interesting souls. I mean, they do have their own personality. They do. You know, they, they're very much like humans, but they're more grounded than humans because they're so much more closer to their instincts and nature. And and there's so much there's so much better. They're so much better at reading people. You know, when you've been abused, you become hypervigilant. And... You hear, you smell, you can feel. Like my friends used to love to try to tickle me because they wouldn't even have to touch me. They get about four or five inches away, and I could feel them near me enough that it would send me into giggle fits, like I was actually being touched and giggle, you know, and tickled. It was just hyper vigilant. And then, um, mm-hmm. which they enjoyed. Another thing I would really like to bring up is when you are a teacher. If there's any teachers in there. When I was in third grade, I was so thin from the anxiety and the stress of the abuse. I was literally eating the skin off my fingers. Like, there would be blood all over my desk because I just was so nervous. So if you're seeing them really chewing on their fingers, you're seeing them chewing on their clothing, if they're really spacey, um, then it's probably not ADHD. So according to my therapist, I guess I have that, and probably after this interview, it proves it. But really look for these signs, um, very tearful or angry, like really strong emotions. If you can see that, start teaching those children. Because sometimes, like the one thing I'm really infuriated with, I wish I had started therapy when I entered the adoption home, is the mother – she was a licensed nurse, a licensed x-ray technician. Like, she had to constantly re-up things. So she knew better. She knew better. She knew I needed therapy. And she she told me um, when I told her that I needed to um, I needed to go to the doctor, 
she's like, well, if you ain't bleeding, you're fine. And then when I tried talking to her about um, the, you know, the rapes and the things that happened to me, she looked at me and she goes, nobody likes to hear those kinds of things. And then immediately turned and walked away. I'm like, if she wasn't a nurse, I could kind of understand why she's that way because, you, you know, you aren't trained to understand how to handle it. So there's a little bit of forgiveness for those who weren't trained. But when you're trained and you have to constantly keep up, because I know she was trained. I looked in through all of her pamphlets because I was a bored farm kid. I read all her medical stuff. She was trained for this. I know what she had to pass in order to adopt me or even have me in her home. This woman knew what to look out for, and I never got any help. And it created a roller effect of mental issues and anxiety, and just I would I become dissociative. I have what's called dissociative identity disorder. I'm already on the extreme end of it, where I actually have. Um, personalities which I consider people inside of me because of how severe the abuse was. Um, I, if I would have gotten help, I would have been, what, I feel like I, what I'm doing right now, I could have done in my 30s, you know? But what a could have, if a but didn't happen, but she not doing that is just, she could have saved me so much pain, so many bad relationships. So much more future abuse, you know, if she just would have gotten me the help because that was her job, you know, and she never did it. She never did it because right. people just don't want to hear those kinds of things. That screwed right. up. That's horrible. Yeah, that that's horrible. I, I feel so bad that you went through that. I'm, but I'm glad that you overcame it and you're now out trying to help others. And with that being said, um, what kind of advice could you give other survivors out there, like any coping skills that you did while you was going through this? All right. So some of the coping skills, some of them, here's, here's reality. Whatever coping skill you have is keeping you alive, whatever it is, be very careful about what you do. So some people will drum, some people will go to music, some people turn to art, some people um, turn to cutting, some people turn to drugs and alcohol. Obviously, there is some coping skills that are very negative and very harmful to yourself. And then there's other healthier coping mechanisms. But if at that time you're doing the very best you can with the coping, whatever skill set you're using, do not teach yourself for using it. Just Try to do better as soon as you can. As soon as you can get out, go with an exit. Come up with an exit plan. Um, find a – so, like, here in Iowa, we have Waypoint, Riverside, abuse centers. Contact them first. They will help you come up with a plan. They will come up with um, safety plans. They will, they will get you going in a way where you can escape your abusive environment safely. And if I can't say the guy shows up in the middle of this, you now have people to help be a buffer during that so you can complete that extraction. It's also very important to know that when you leave an abusive situation, it can be up to two years that you can still be in danger. Um, for me, it was up to four years after the rape before my 25th birthday. That guy would contact me every three to four months you would always find a way and contact me. And it would always start around my birthday. And then when I try, when I, you know, I was a hot mess back there. I was like, I'm out of here. I got to go. I can't stay, stand in this place. It's too much memory. I went to New York. He tried to rent out the place. He really, so look out for those signs. Um, talk to people. Very, very important is make sure that you have copies of your birth certificate, your um your social security card, your ID, make sure you have multiple places where you're sending that, multiple emails. Um, send it to your friends and, you know, make a copy of it. And if you can, get those copies to somebody or the actual originals, get those out as soon as you can to somebody you trust. Um, another important thing is have, like, like a bug-out bag. Um, you can call it your purse or whatever. You know, that can be some hidden extra cash. 
Um, maybe you start your own quietly, your own bank account. Um, get these things in gear before you just take off. Because trying to start again when you don't have a birth certificate or your social security card or when your ID expires, that was fun in Pennsylvania, um, it, it's a nightmare to try to get those informations back. So if you have them, protect them. Um, definitely call and be honest. Speak up. Talk to people. Um, don't be afraid. If somebody wanted you to speak warmly of them, they would have treated you better. What I tell people when some, another thing I really want to talk about is don't feel guilty if you can't leave. You know, we hear a lot, well, why doesn't she just leave? Because sometimes it's too stinking dangerous to do so. The most dangerous time for a person who's being severely abused is the leaving. And it could be dangerous. Women have died for this. Women have died for their freedom from abuse. You know, telling a guy randomly, no, I have gotten rape threats, death threats. I've been beaten for it just for telling a guy, no, I don't want sex. So it's horrific. And if you are friends with somebody who's being abused, they might not be able to leave yet because of the threats to their pets, their children. Like my first son's father threatened me if I took off with our son, he would come and hunt me down and kill me. And I believed him because he was strangling me. He offered to kill um, my step-parents, um, the adopted ones. So this guy was a little nutty. And he continued that same abuse when I left to the next girl. And it's just, you got it. Don't be angry at yourself if you notice that you, the cycle keeps happening. Because until you learn healthy ways of being, who are healthy, who's nice, who's actually being truly nice versus acting nice, you're going to pick up those. That's why women who are in their 40s don't put up with a lot of crap anymore. Because, <laughs> um, and I quote, this is what I heard, uh, get them young so you can train them. Or one of the things that I heard growing up in, in that Republican home was if they're bleeding, they're meant for breeding. I mean, if you hear things like that, turn around and run, just run, grab whatever you have, like say you spent the night, grab the shit and go, just go and never look back, block on everything, you know, just, and don't be afraid to involve some of you guys that you do trust and have them and tell the guys off, like, dude, don't mess with her no more, because for some reason, guys only respect guys, so I had one guy, he stalked me for weeks, and I had to hack my um, boyfriend at the time was like, dude, we can please tell this guy off. He is not leaving me alone. And finally, you know, I told him off. Don't be afraid to use your guys. Do not be afraid to use them to help you buffer possible issues down the road and nip it in the butt ASAP. And most importantly, go to therapy and do the work. It's going to call what I call feature in a monster. And you... You might find parts of you that are ugly and you feel embarrassed and ashamed. Accept them. This is where the Buddhism comes in, that it's very important to be mindful and be in the moment when you're feeling this. It's like, I, I remember this memory and I feel so ashamed. I couldn't stop the abuse or I was forced to hit my brother or, you know, I feel so horrible. Just like men who are forced to go to war because of lies, the monsters aren't the people who are trying to survive that moment. It's the people who are manipulating that moment into making you the victim. They are the monsters, not you. It's not your fault. And it's very, very important that we learn this because that type of trauma, be it war or the war at home from abuse, we are victims of that. And PTSD is a very important thing. And you're going to feel those ugly emotions and guilt and survivor's guilt and just don't let it eat at you. Just write it out, hold somebody's hand, ball your eyes out, even if it's snotty, even if your coat and yourself is snot, let it out. Feel it. Because the sooner you can feel those emotions, the easier it is you're going to start learning the skill set. So when it happens again, because it comes in cycles, it's not going to be as intense the next time. And when you feel yourself again and go through that, the next time you feel it, it's a little less intense. And it just gets a little bit less 
throughout the year. So if you, the sooner you can allow yourself to feel and do the therapy and do the work, the sooner you're going to feel. But don't hate yourself if you're stubborn like me and you kind of put it off and, or you deny it or it happens and it's perfectly normal. Trauma healing is messy. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always go by the criteria. It doesn't always go by this is how it should be because it's not how it should be. Because if it was really how it should be, we wouldn't have trauma because it's not normal to treat each other like crap, you know? So don't hate yourself for the ugliness that you might feel inside. Accept it, feel it, and then replace it with something that's beautiful like, oh, I survived some really ugliness. I couldn't always help my foster brother sisters. I couldn't always defend them. But I'm going to replace with a positive. But I can t- still talk about it. I can still go around and listen to somebody else talk about their abuse and help them and remind them that they are not at fault. I can create beautiful art about it. I can create beautiful music. I can be on a podcast with a really cool lady and reminding you that, yes, you do matter and that it's healing, it's ugly, but it's necessary, and it can also be an incredibly beautiful thing, and it's worth it all. Right. I I think that's great, the message you gave out to everyone out there listening. Um, do what she says. Um, she's sending everybody a great message. If you're in a situation like this, get out now because um, it's going to get worse. But if you're in a situation you can't get out, then, you know, just try to work towards getting out of it when it's a safe time to get out is is the best thing I could say. Because, and I agree with you, like people don't realize that, you know, if you are in a situation, you can't always get out because it's not safe. Um, You know, you just got to figure out. Yeah, you don't have the money and you have to have a plan, you know, to do it so that you can get everybody out safe. Yeah, and that takes a lot of, that takes like, like, um, like, especially if they're like only allotting you so much, like for the one I was talking about who strangled me, he only gave me 20 bucks a week and that was all I had, but I saved as much as I could. So I at least had something when I left and it was only like, $80, that's all I could say before I finally said, I can't do this no more. You're going to kill me. And I left. And, you know, it it really comes down to allowing the the survival instinct to happen. But you've got to use it wisely. Um, Make sure you have a place to go at least. Um, You know, when I left the adoption home, I mean, as soon as I turned 18, I was gone. I just like, I'm, I'm done. You know, I was young and I was pregnant and all I wanted to, all I cared about was protecting my child because the stepmother was abusive. Her son was a creepy, abusive guy. Oh, God. The stories I could tell, it was just, it's nuts. Um, you know, I didn't want my child around that, but because all I knew was abuse, that's what I, I, I connected with, which is very, very common for people who've been abused as a child to find future abusive relationships and if this is if that's happening to you it's because when you it's hard to determine when you're that young what is healthy and what's not especially if you never seen healthy and you're like oh you're a red flag you're not I should go this way so you're going to follow a lot of red flags until you start getting out into the world and realizing oh this is not normal and then once you start realizing that, then you start practicing more normal. God, I'm using that term horribly, very loosely here. But once you realize what's more healthier and more and more beneficial in a healthy way, you're going to cling on to that more, and you're going to replace all those, all those like connections that you had. And in time, you're going to be more surrounded by healthier people, and it's going to be so much more easier to boot them all out as soon as you see it. And don't be afraid to. Being assertive, you know, I hear a lot that I'm too nice. And I was like, what's wrong with being nice? (laughs) Like, I don't go around and hurt people. I don't purposely, you know, try to make people's lives miserable. You know, I don't 
I'm not messy. I clean up, you know, all the things that, would, you know, you should do. Like, why, why, is that, why is that bad? Because people like to take advantage of it. And when you got con people who are very good at what they do and you're naive because you don't know better, oh, they love you. <laughs> they will they will zone in on you. And that's not your fault. That's them knowing better and choosing to do you wrong and abusing your blind trust. That's not your fault. Your job, though, is to learn how not to be around those people. And that comes with good therapy. And one of the important things when it comes to therapists is if you get a therapist that you just don't click with, it's okay to boot them and find somebody else. And even if you're on disability, you can go find a free, some, you know, and choose a different one. Keep going until you find the one that clicks. And if that person can sit there and go, hey, you're being, you're being rude, dude. And you're like, oh. And you're not, like, feeling um, defensive and you can talk about that and you can be that real and open, that's a good therapist, you know. Or it's like, hey, you're stuck on this right now. Let's work through it and you're shaking, and you're scared, you know, and they're not, they're really trying to help you, and you feel that bondage allow them to help you feel those emotions and get through it, that's a good therapist. But if you're there and you just don't want to talk, or if you are feeling scared, or they're being rude, or they're very dismissive, boot them. Find a new one. It is worth it. I went through... Oh, good goodness. At least six therapists until I found Janet. And she was the one who finally figured out what was wrong with me. And then she got sick. And then there was old Becky. And old Becky really helped me get my my shit together. And then uh, she went elsewhere for a while. And then I didn't have a therapist. But she gave me enough skill sets to work on to continue the work without her. And then there was... Um, kind of got a lot of good therapists towards the end and right now I got an 80 year old and that old man can keep up with me I'm impressed I'm so impressed but he's helping me big time we do EMDR and we do cognitive therapy and a lot of talk therapy and a lot of understanding like just explain explanations of what's normal and what's not and what's healthy and and understanding like Am I, like, setting too hard of a boundary, or is, or can I loosen up on this boundary? He, he really helps me think of that. And when you can find somebody like that, oh, my goodness, the healing is going to just glow out of you. Definitely hold on right. to them. Well, you have sent such a great message tonight, and I want to thank you again for coming on um, this show. Um, you're going to help a lot of people. Okay. And if there's anything else that you want to tell the audience, because we're almost out of time, um, this is your time to do that. And then if you, again, you have a website, if you want to spell it out so so people know exactly where to find you. Sure. Um, It will be www.genre, which is G as in George, E as in elephant, N as in no, R as in Ralph, E as in elephant, of, O as in octopus, F as in Frank, stubby, S-T-U-B-B-Y, um, dot com, forward slash shop. If you go there, you will find my prints. You can find Louie's book. If you buy it from there, you will get Louie's cost stamp on there and sign and some pictures and gear like that. Um, if you go to YouTube and look up genre of stubby, same spelling, you're going to find me on there. Um, you can see all the artwork. Right now I'm working on 100 drawings of my favorite YouTubers. Um, that's a lot of fun. I like that one. That's a good challenge. Um, you can see about the camper that I'm working on. Um, all kinds of good stuff on there. I lost my Twitter account because I got hacked. So I'll try to work on that. Otherwise, look on me for other types of social media. I'm all over the place. Um, but hang in there. Just remember you're worth it. Even when your brain tells you you're not, tell it to screw off and say, no, yes, I am, and watch me prove it. And then, God dang it, prove it. Prove it to yourself that you're worth it because you are, you know, because you are. And I truly believe that people can come from the most darkest of depths and still come out flying beautiful, and I see it 
constantly with people have seen some of the darkest things. And I am so proud of them. I'm so proud of the girls I have met. I am so proud of my students. And I'm so proud of my friends and family that have come out and talked about their abuse and issues. And I'm just really proud of them. And I know that if you ever find me and you tell me your story, which I would love to hear, I'm going to be pretty dang proud of you too. So I wish you all the best. And know that there is definitely one person who will believe you. And who cares? And that's definitely me. And uh, that's all I got to say. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all that you're doing. And um, I just, I think you're doing a great job. So thank you again for coming on the show. You're welcome. You're doing a kick-ass job yourself. Thank you. Well, thank you again. And then thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Um, to this fabulous show and this lovely lady. Um, make sure you go to her website, reach out to her. You know, if you have a situation, go get help. And I guess till next time, everyone, take care. Bye. Check out Balance 7 at balance7.com. To get a discount, type in Crystal 10. This is a nutritional supplement that will get you back to optimal health. Now, what are you waiting for? Go to balance7.com to try your supplement today. nutrition to stay focused and function at their best. Relive Kids Now makes this simple by giving them protein, vitamins, minerals with nutrients to support their immune system, growth and brain development. It's all there in a simple, delicious daily shake. You can get this product in vanilla or chocolate. And you can go to healthfirst.relive.com. Again, healthfirst .relive.com Go get your shake today. Go to littlesaintproductions.com and listen to Little Saint every Thursday night at 6 p.m. You definitely want to hear his show. Also, the 5th Independent Visionary Film Festival is coming up on September 16th at the Lumiere Music Hall in Beverly Hills, California. They will be showcasing films from extremely talented young filmmakers. For more information, check out visionaryfilmfestival.com or find Visionary Film Festival on social media. You don't want to miss this film festival. Are you feeling sluggish and feeling like you have no energy? Look no further. Kickstart your morning or afternoon and enjoy regulated, even energy that keeps you going without the crash or unwanted side effects of harsh stimulants used in typical energy drinks. Zero sugar, zero crash, sustainable energy, hydration, and fat burn. You can find this product, which is called Energize Go, at healthfirst.relive.com Again, healthfirst.relive.com Now what are you waiting for? Go try Energize Go. Support our hashtag creatives is an organization founded by executive producer Alan Greenspan. The mission of support our hashtag creatives is to level the playing field for underrepresented creators and artists so that they have the same opportunities as everyone else to get their works created, distributed, and seen. A sample of the services they offer, they finance, provide artistic input, create and or manage IMDB pages and social media pages, 
and participate in all phases of the life cycle for creative projects. Contact them via website supportourcreatives.com or via email at alan at supportourcreatives.com. Voice for Victim podcast wants you. Voice for Victims podcast is dedicated to educating the community about various aspects of victimization and giving victims an opportunity to speak up. Currently, the podcast is heard nationally on Thursday nights. It is carried on Blog Talk, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, and Apple. If you support what Voice for Victims is doing, please contact voiceforvictimspodcast.com and a representative will contact you with further details. Thanks for listening and your support.